Amen. Well, I want to share some thoughts with you today. Uh, I'm a man of purpose and destiny. I believe that God has a purpose and destiny for each of us. And it's important that we understand that without him in the middle of it, you're not going anywhere. You're not accomplishing what God has for you. So today, I want to throw out some things that I'd call reversing the irreversible concerning purpose and destiny. You know, one of my earliest movies and uh, I'm going to date myself real quick. Matter of fact, me and Pastor Rob have close birthdays and same year born and all. I know he looks a lot older than I am. But, <laughs> but uh, Superman. How many of you watched Superman in the 70s? Way back. You know, I, I've, I've enjoyed that movie when I was a kid. Well, I was a teenager then, I guess, but those were movies that the effects were not quite as good as they are now. Almost, you know. But one of the storylines there was Superman was out fighting villains and doing his business. And something was going on majorly and the earth was challenged and an earthquake was going on. And of course, who was his love? Lois Lane, right? So Lois Lane's driving out through the desert. I don't know where she was headed. I can't remember that part. But... An earthquake was about swallowed her car up, right? And Superman knows what's going on, and he's fighting the villains, and all of these challenges are happening in front of him, and he has tried to figure out, am I going to save the world, or am I going to save Lois? So he goes on, finishes saving the world, but then he remembers, hey, I've got superpowers, right? So what does he do? Y'all remember he starts flying backwards around the earth, trying to change the time, Right? And so he just goes faster and faster and faster, and he changes time, and he goes back and saves Lois. He reversed the irreversible in his mind, and that's something that if we tried to do that, if we thought we could go back and change a few things, a few words we've said, you know, a few things that we've done. Uh, first of all, it would have been a, a catastrophe because you really can't change the earth spin like that. All of us would have died again because of whiplash, you know. So it's a cool concept that he could go around the earth and change the time and all that fun stuff, but we don't have the ability to do that. How do we reverse irreversible things in our life? And, of course, the real danger uh, in some of that is we'd all be fighting to turn back time. So it'd be a lot of midair collisions happening in the mix of all of that. So... But the arrow of time points in one direction. You know, I'm not getting any younger. You know, I look back, I, I think in my brain I'm still 28, do what I want to do. But it don't happen that way. The old body just don't work that way anymore. So you can't undo what you've already done. In other words, there's, there's just some things that are irreversible in life. You know, I, I've learned a thousand lessons from being able to look at things that I can't reverse. How about a bad haircut? <laughs> you can outgrow it, but, you know, how about, uh, un, you know, un, the burnt cookies that came out of the oven? You can't go back and rebake those. You can't change things in your life that are just... One, one, one existence uh, thing that I had, I was... Uh, in Texas, they have these cameras at these red lights... And so if you're in the intersection, when it turns red, it snaps a picture and they send you a little ticket. 
At least they, they used to have these all over, but now they're in small areas. But I was in one area, and I was, had been traveled this road quite often, and I knew the camera was there, and I realized I wasn't going to make it. And I hit the brakes, and my nose of my car went past the line of the white line on the pavement there, and I said, oh, I've not made it. Well, a few weeks later, I get a ticket in the mail. I said, I didn't run the red light. I couldn't go back and change not stopping that six feet. It just was something I couldn't go back and do. But with that understanding, there is just some things that I want to change in my life that I know only God can help me change. Because he can be the one that changes things in your life. Um, I'm a bearer of good news with that because I believe that Jesus Christ gave it all for us. We just saw that in the last few weeks, Palm Sunday, and then last week on Easter, how God changes uh, changed our life by his salvation, the plan of sending his son and dying on a cross. You know, if we read in the gospel, you'll discover that Jesus reversed lots of things. Weather patterns. He reversed blindness. He reversed paralysis. He reversed a lot of things. And he reversed death. We saw that again last week. He rose from the grave. I like what Acts 2.24 says. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I love that language right there. Impossible for death to keep its hold on him. That means, you know, we tend to think that dying, you know, Christ had to go and he had to fight his way out of hell. No, it was the other way around. Death was trying to hold on to him because he is what? He is life. He is light. He is the one that brought hope to this world. And it was just the opposite. And Peter was trying to share that with us, that it was impossible for death to keep a hold on the truth and the life. Thermodynamics. Let me give you a quick crash course. The study of thermodynamics. You know, if I have a big old boulder and I'm trying to uh, shove it off a cliff, the gravity force that it has uh, on the earth is pulling the weight of that stone down. And so there's some energy there. But if I shove it off of one of these mountaintops here in California, what's going to happen? Kinetic energy is going to happen, right? So when you have the law of thermodynamics, the first law is uh, energy is produced to energy, right? When you're moving something, the first law of that is there. It creates another energy from one to the other. But the second one is a law that I really want to get to today and share with you, and it's the law of entropy. The law of entropy. And it's something that brings disorder. Entropy is disarray. It basically is something that is causing cars to rust. Causes those leftovers you put into the refrigerator and you don't go back to for a few days to change, right? It's something there that causes a lot of things to happen. Even if you have children, you leave a child in a room that you cleaned two seconds ago in about three seconds with a child by himself or herself, things change, right? Disarray. That's entropy, okay? Sin is entropy. Sin is moving toward disorder in our life. That's something I want reversed in my life. And I know that's something God sent his son to change. You know, what's the opposite of sin? Scripture says it's holiness. Holiness means to be made whole. 
to be brought into complete order. And sin, again, is just the opposite of that. And it has become something that has challenged all of us. We've become fragmented. We've become disarray. We have become challenged in our way of life because things that we're doing without God is bringing us to a place of disorder and challenge. So how do I overcome entropy in my life? Sin. Proverbs 29, 18, I think, is, says it very well, and it's one of my favorite verses because, again, back to having purpose and destiny, if I know my vision, if I know the vision and directive of my life, I can fulfill the purpose and destiny God has for me. So let's read Proverbs 29, 18. Just a portion of that verse says, without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, the people perish. And the word perish could be translated entropy. Without knowing God, entropy is alive and well in my life. And I'm going to perish because I'm in disarray and I'm in disorder in my life. More specifically, it's about talking about that food I mentioned just a moment ago, rotting in the refrigerator or left out in the heat on the vine. What happens? You have beautiful fruit. I was standing in Pastor Rob's backyard just uh, yesterday and some beautiful orange trees and lemon trees. And, you know, if it stays there too long, what happens? Entropy happens. I put leftovers in the refrigerator with good intentions, as I said. And before you know it, <laughs> I end up emptying that goo into the trash. So really the exposition of Proverbs twenty nine eighteen is without a vision, the people become a greenish glob of moldy goo. That's the way I see our lives because we get all messed up, right? I mean, how many of you know folks that don't focus their life around God and there is so much disarray? Families hurting here and there. So I have a theory that I believe we need a God-given vision to overcome entropy or sin, disarray, disorder in our life. And that is to have a vision of who God is. Most problems are not sin problems. Most problems are vision problems. Because we get focused on some things sometimes that lead us in different direction from God. When we lose vision, we lose directive of who he is. It simply challenges everything in existence for us. We simply had a vision from God that consumed all of our time and our energy and our thoughts. We wouldn't have time to let entropy take its place. Sin would not be in our lives. So the problem is with sinning, and I've learned this in my own life, we try to stop sinning by not sinning, right? Psychologists call it double binding or double bind. In other words, I try to stop something with something. And it's always a challenge. You know, I'm trying to do some challenge, challenge changes in my life, and I, I can't win because it's a double bind when it comes to sin. Trying to stop sinning with sin or vice versa. When that doesn't work, I just keep trying not to sin. I'll do better tomorrow. I'll change tomorrow. I'll get better next week. It's like telling someone that is an alcoholic or a drug addict that, you know, today's the last day, I'll quit tomorrow. And tomorrow comes and they say the same thing. I can, I can beat this. I can change that. I can overcome this situation in my life. But it's always the same challenge over and over because they're trying to do a double bind. 
What we need is a vision of who God wants us to be. And that will help us to overcome entropy and stop sin. You know, we live in this world in the flesh. And I'm just as guilty as anybody. I ask God every day of my life, Father, please forgive me of my sin. Because I want to live in righteousness, right standing with God. I want to have the opportunity to stand before him one day and hear him say, well done. That's how we reverse the irreversible. I'm convinced that God gave us a vision that we can overcome entropy. And that is understanding who he is. Without a vision, we rot, we rust, we decay. There's another word that's out there that goes against entropy, and it's called nugentropy. It's the opposite. Nugentropy is the increase of information that results in the decrease of disorder. Sin, again, is something that we need to come against. How do I do that? We saw him hanging on the cross last week. You have a cross here today depicting what happened on Calvary at that time. And we know Jesus brought a way to change some things. You know, it's kind of like taking a refrigerator and sticking your leftovers in it and you unplug it. It's not going to do you much good, is it? Matter of fact, the decay is going to happen much faster. But when I plug in that refrigerator, it's like me plugging into Jesus. I have the opportunity to have some source creating an atmosphere or a process in my life that slows down entropy or changes it all together. That cold air in that refrigerator, you can stick that food in there and it'll last a little bit longer. And it's waiting on the time till you can use it or the end result comes and you're done with that food in the refrigerator. That it gives you a little bit of extra time and that's something I see with God. When he sent his son, Jesus, he gave us a source to plug into. He gave us something to charge our lives, put us in the atmosphere that he wanted us to be in so we could live out our lives fulfilling the great commandment, right? And the great commission, love God, love your neighbor, and then go, he said. So he has given us opportunity to find him real in our life. And then that source guides us, gives us vision, gives us purpose, overcomes the sin in our life so that we can accomplish what he is purpose and destined in our life to do. You know, I shared a message years ago and I entitled it, you got to get left, got to go left to get right. I'll just give a quick example. Jesus, 30 years in the left, three years in the right. That means he had a lot of preparation, right? He had a lot of things he had to overcome. Of course, being the son of God, we think it was easy for him, but the Bible says he was all man and all God, right? So he faced a lot of the challenges. Matter of fact, he said every sin he overcame. So he, cha- he was challenged with them all. Growing through things that in his left built him to be in the right. What does right represent? What? Authority, right? Power and might. So three years, he accomplished his purpose and his destiny. That's where you can be. You know, when we're talking about plugging into God and finding purpose and destiny in our life, finding the opportunity to accomplish exactly what he wants us to accomplish on this earth. When you find that, it is so peaceful in your life. 
Does that mean all troubles go away? No, but you have peace to overcome anything that is challenging. God is big enough. It doesn't matter what's happening. You trust God at that point, and that entropy is at its defeat at that moment because you are totally plugged into God, and you're walking in that purpose and destiny. I've known people that have been like Jesus. Maybe they had 30 years of preparation and three years of actual doing what God called them to do. I've known people that have been their whole life and had 30 seconds of purpose and destiny because maybe they were the person that reached out to a Billy Graham or reached out to somebody that has changed the world in times that we don't even know. They spent 30 seconds with somebody and gave them a word and gave them something they could walk away with, and it changed their life. They plugged them into who? God himself. And sin was stopped because of their believing upon him. And life was changed and purpose and destiny happened for that next person. You don't know who you're going to meet when you walk out of these doors. We don't have understanding maybe of tomorrow even and what paths we're going to cross, but God sees every bit of us. He knows even the hairs on your head, the scripture says. And he knows your purpose and your destiny and he wants to stop sin and give you a vision to know what he has planned for you by you plugging into that. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 says, And God commanded the man, the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Everybody say die. It's the first time the word die is used in the scripture. It's a Hebrew word, muth. M-U-W-T-H. Not one you use every day. Hope you mooth. You know. (laughs) Right? Come on. But it means to die prematurely. Here's the deal. God intended for Adam and Eve to live forever. He intended for sin to not be. People always ask the question, why does God let certain things happen? Well, he gave every one of you a will. He gave you a choice. If he wanted you to be a robot, he would have made you that way. He would have programmed you to make the right choice every time. But he didn't. He programmed you to have a choice. Right here, we know, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, you'll see that choices were made that were not intended to be. And sin was introduced into the world. So therefore, we have five kinds of entropy in our life. Spiritual, relational, emotional, intellectual, and physical entropy. All of those things are destroying us all the time. We're talking about spiritual. We're challenged just trying to find understanding of who God is sometimes and, and, and walking in his presence every day and helping to strengthen our life. We, we're challenged with that because the enemy knows that he is wanting us to be in relationship with him. That's why he sent his son back to us to have Calvary take our sin's place so that he can have relationship with us. And the enemy knows that. So spiritual entropy, he's fighting you all the time. How about this morning when you got in the car? I said, get in the car. We're going to be late. And you had, you know, some of that marriage thing happening, that relational entropy going on. You might have had a little argument on the way to church and you get here. Hey, praise the Lord. You know, right? 
So, you know, we have that challenge and emotions. Maybe I was driving, uh, I had the privilege Friday and Saturday, Pastor Rob sent us to one of his family's homes in, in Coronado. And so it was beautiful. Y'all, uh, maybe most of you have been there. I don't know. But driving towards the big bridge, the first thing I see is the sign that says suicide hotline. Why do we even have to have that? Because people have taken their lives jumping off of that bridge because of emotional entropy. Sin. Everybody say sin. sin. That's an ugly word. That's the worst word you could ever say. You think other foul language is bad? That's the worst one because it destroys intellectually, physically. All kinds of byproducts of sin come from these areas. So sin introduced entropy in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve partaking. Romans 8.21 says we are in the bondage of decay. That means that we were born, those of us living today, into sin. I didn't choose that. Somebody chose it for me because of their choices. Your choices matter today of the entropy that will happen in those you come in contact with in their lives in the days to come. So your choices do matter right now. Our choice to live as a captive set free from sin. It is inescapable. Reversing the irreversible. The change that needs to happen. Redemption and sanctification and glorification reverse the curse. Look at the neighbor and say, we're going to reverse the curse. John 10.10, again, another favorite verse of mine. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Again, entropy to new gentrophy. Change. Helping us to be able to reverse sin. And I believe when God gave his life for us, he shared an opportunity for us to see it clearly. Let me take you to the book of Revelations really quick here. And I want to read because, you know, a lot of times we lose sight of heaven. I don't know about you, but I want to go to heaven. Why am I even here today? Is it so I can see everybody and say, hi, how are you? Great to see you. See you next week, you know, kind of thing. No. You are here because your soul desires to see Jesus in heaven one. That's why we're here. So I want to read a little bit about Jesus' place he's taken us. Revelations 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He's with us. It's the end of spiritual entropy. When you recognize that God is here, he is right in the mix of you, and you can reach out and grab a hold of who he is, it can change everything. See, he's changing the atmosphere, right? There. Look at verse 4. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no more be death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That's the end of emotional entropy right there. No more crying or mourning. It's over. How about the end of relational entropy? It's over right there. There's no more arguments. There's no more strife. There's no more disorder in your family. It's all perfect when you have God in the center. And it's the end of physical entropy. I met someone coming in fighting some battles of cancer. No more do you have to deal with cancer anymore. God's big enough, right? He can accomplish anything in your life. You got to remember, you can't put God in the little box over here in the corner and say, I, that's how I see you, God. And that's when, when I know I need you, I'll go grab you out of that box and I'll use you. No, God is beyond your wildest imaginations, the Bible says. He can do above and beyond your wildest hopes and dreams. And you have to put that spiritual entropy past in the past. God is showing us a way of Overcoming it. Look at 1 Corinthians, and I'll come back to Revelations in just a second. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. No more lack of knowledge. Intellectually, the lights come on. You know, they say that we only use a portion of our brain. We only know a little bit. And that's usually what gets us in trouble. <laughs> you know? It's important to understand that intellectual entropy will end that day when we walk into heaven and we will know all, the scripture says. All. All those questions you've been writing down you want to ask God for, you'll know it when you walk in. You won't have to ask. You're going to see his magnificence and the glory of what he has for us and it's going to be overwhelming. Look at Revelation 21, 5. And I believe this is the nail in the coffin of death. It says, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I'm reversing the old and I'm making it brand new. I'm taking sin out of the equation and it's nothing but completeness. Vision leads to completeness. Who I am and what I need to become, God has planned. You know, here's the way I see God in my life. This is an analogy I've used for 30 years of ministry right here. God said he wrote our story from the back of the book forward to the forward. He knew the end of what he wanted us to be, right? He knew what he, ch- he wanted you to become, that destiny and the purpose he created you for. Every one of us have a role to play. Not the same as the other guy sitting next to you. It's a little different. So God wrote my story from the back to the front. I was born. I saw a little baby back here earlier. Beautiful little boy. How could he sin? He hadn't sinned yet, has he? Well, he slapped dad in the face? What? I mean, <laughs> number one, he don't have to be taught how to sin. He'll do that pretty easily. It's the way we're born into it, right? So we have to overcome that. So I start living my life. A few months in, I'm doing pretty good. You know, five years old or less. I'll tell you a little story. Five years old, I went with my mom to Kmart. I don't know if they had Kmart here, but five years old, Kmart was a big store back then. You know, that was Walmart. So 
Back then, they had the candy. It's like this communion sitting here. You're walking down the aisle. <laughs> to a five-year-old, that's like free, right? All right. <laughs> You're stuffing. You know, mom was busy with the blue light special, you know, and I'm <laughs> stuffing. Get in the car after we had checked out and driving home, and I'm sitting in the back seat, and I had put stuff in my pockets full of bubble gum. And I'm back there unwrapping them, just stuffing them as many as I can in my mouth. My mom's looking in the rearview mirror. Son, where'd you get that gum? Because uh, she knew she didn't buy it for me. And back then, guys, bubble gum was a treat. Y'all remember that? You know, going to McDonald's or Burger King was a treat back then. You didn't, that wasn't every day. Anyway, so she knew she didn't buy that for me, right? So I'm dating myself with you, Britt. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the back seat and I'm chewing this big old water gum. And she says, well, we're going to talk about that when we get home. Nobody taught me how to steal. Again, so what happened? The course of my life, all of a sudden, it changed the end result because now I'm off track. And there's other writings that have to be written for my life because now I'm moving in a different direction. That's cause, because, because of entropy, sin. So somewhere along the way, I found Christ. And God began to rewrite it again. And he put me back on course. You know, I've done some crazy, awful things in my life, in my younger years. Sin almost destroyed me. I was raised in a pastor's home. I knew everything that I needed to know. I saw it lived out in front of me every day. But I still wanted to sin. I had desires other things that I thought were more important than finishing up understanding who God was in my life. You see me today and I'm holding a Bible and I'm talking to you. And, you know, I've been in ministry a long time. But there was 20-something years prior to that, 30 years, that I didn't live the way I should, even being in a pastor's home. Uh, he's a preacher's kid. We know now. Yeah. Well, it's funny to say, but the truth is it hurts because I knew what I should be doing. I thank God every day for giving me another opportunity. God sent me here today to talk to you a little bit about entropy, sin, and vision. And how you can change the course by focusing on God. I changed my life. You can change yours. I didn't do it all by myself. All these folks sitting next to you right here, your brothers, sisters, the old Bible terms, church religious terms, they are here to help you be a better disciple of Christ. Iron sharpening iron putting off entropy in your life and moving to what God has for you. I want to read something else to you. Something you know very well. 
because this is what we need every day. Because the word perish is in this verse. And you've probably not even thought about this particular word in this verse because you're thinking of something else. And it's good old John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Entropy. Should not perish but have everlasting life. He's wanting entropy to be out of your life because he wants relationship with you. And that's all he's about. Restoration. Sanctification. Glorification. Hearing him say, well done. And I don't know about all of you here today. Maybe every one of you have given your heart to Jesus Christ. If you haven't, this is your perfect day. It's beautiful outside. It's a great day to just walk into the grace of God. His grace is sufficient for every one of us. It's so important. It will change the directive of your life. Every one of us that have had God come into our hearts, we know how God's changed us. We know the course we would have been on. And he changed us and got us back onto the plan he had for us. I want to pray for you today. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, to do so. It's not a bad thing to even ask him again. Dying to flesh. Paul said, I have to die what? Daily. Every day. So let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you for these wonderful people of God. Now I know those more as we will be mating in heaven again someday and we will be able to see each other face to face and we'll remember times like these that we've had to share the word that you have given to us. Father, we want to overcome sin. We were challenged with it, I know. This flesh can be weak, but with you in the center, the center of it all, we can overcome. We can reverse the irreversible. The devil thought he could come in and change everything and there would be no way of reversing that. But you sent your son and he died on a tree. And his blood has been applied to the mercy seat forever. And that's there to wash us clean. Father, I pray for every person in this room that they would look at their own heart. We have communion here in just a few moments. May this be a time of examining our own lives. Father, that we can be pure, holy before you, because you're in us, the hope of glory. Those that are coming to Christ for the very first time, as they speak with their own mouth, they call upon you to forgive them of their sins. I pray, Father, that they would also call on you to be their Savior walking with them from this moment on giving them the vision that you desire of them thank you for purpose and destiny in all of our lives in Jesus name God bless you this morning